Hey, what's up, Titans fans? This is Ryan Moreland, your host of Two-Tone Uncensored. We finally got that win. Finally notching that win over the Indianapolis Colts. That 11-game losing streak is over. So nice to say. Uh, I do have a guest coming on a little bit later in the show. Before we do anything, let's jump into this indie game. We're going to try a little bit different of a, a format here. Try to switch it up. So let me know what you think. If you really like this or if you like the other way better, uh, hit me up on twotoneuncensored at gmail.com. Find me on Facebook or Twitter and message me. Let me know what you think. But we're going to jump right into the game recap here. We win this game 36-22, to although this game is a lot closer than what it seemed. First half, both sides of the football played iffy for the Tennessee Titans. Indianapolis scored on every offensive possession. They at least got a field goal out of every offensive possession that they had. We only get three field goals. Luckily, we're playing a team that doesn't have a good offense because it was 13-9 at that point. But that's not how you want to do it. That's not how you want to start. And we have had a bad habit of doing that, of starting games late. I've talked about this already on this show You know, this particular episode, I've talked about this many times over the last couple weeks. We start so slow. Even last year, I've mentioned it last year. We start so slow. You know, we're not making the plays we need to in the first half. Our offense has been stagnant, even with Marcus in, stagnant in the first half. And and then we struggle to get back. You look at our wins this year. And this one, down at halftime, we come back. We get a win because our offense figures out what to do in the second half. You look at that game against the Jaguars in which we won. It was like 6-3 at halftime, and we blow the doors off of it in the second half. Seahawks game, very low scoring affair in the first half. We come back in the second half ready to play football. We blow the doors off of it. It has been every win that we've had. We wait until the second half to play football. This is something that needs to change. We need to come out of the locker room ready to play. Now, I've said this before on the show, and I don't think that this has to do with the players. I think these players come out ready to play at the first whistle. I think we do not game plan well in the beginning of games. We're a team that does do very well at changing up what we do to fit the team that we're playing and end up getting good results, as you've seen, as I just talked about in those three games that we did win. But coming out of the gate, we don't strategize well against teams coming out of the gate. Now, you have to blame the offensive uh, coordinator for this. You have to blame the defensive coordinator for this. You have to blame the head coach for this. I think everybody deserves some blame for this. We we come out so slow out of the gate, and then we catch fire in the second half. We're good at adjustments. We're not good at scheming for teams. I mean, this could be a result of having a motivator for a head coach rather than a guy that's a strategy guy because we know that Malarkey can light a fire under an ass. We know that he's the guy that can get you pumped up, ready to go. It's looking like he's not the guy that can look at another team and tell you how how to beat them. You know, that's something that we're definitely going to have to work on. You look at the most successful team in football right now, New England Patriots. Bill Belichick is a guy that takes away your best player. The thing that you are the best at, he will take it away from you. 
and he forces you to figure out some other way to beat him. He's done it for years. It's why the Patriots have been a dynasty. We need to be able to do that. We need to be able to start games hot. We have not. Strong finish. That's the thing I want to bring up next. We did finish strong. Three touchdowns. Marcus was red hot. Six for six, 103 yards, six or one touchdown in the final quarter of play. He was absolutely amazing at the end of that football game. Obviously, the big pass uh, to Taewon Taylor is a you know good portion of those yards, over half. But still, I mean, he he looked a lot better. He looked more comfortable. The play before that, that he you know the pass play before that. He ran another play-action play, play, looked very comfortable in the pocket. You could see he was getting more and more comfortable with not being able to move. That was a big storyline in this. And the next thing I want to talk about is Marcus Mariota playing without the ability to run. We saw this on a few plays. You know, the one where he slides for a one-yard loss. You know, the normal Marcus Mariota, the healthy Marcus Mariota, takes that for a seven-yard gain. You look at the other play when he was pressured, trying to run outside and just threw the ball away. When Lawan had the block there, you know, a healthy Marcus does not make that play. A healthy Marcus probably steps outside to pull the defender outside, steps back inside, makes the play. But he doesn't have that mobility right now. You know, that ends up in a thrown-away pass. But still... 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Marcus had a pretty good day. He played well. You know, he, he played well against a defense that hasn't been very good this year. But it was a game that we needed a win in. You know, we didn't want to fall too far behind in the division. We needed to get a W in this game, and we did. And we got a, a very good division win. The next thing I want to talk about, these rookies on defense what a performance we saw from Adore Jackson and and Jayon Brown in this game. Adore Jackson was red hot in this game. He played an excellent football game, one of the best he's played all year. I'd say, in my opinion, only second to the game he played last week, which I thought was, you know, pretty impressive. Uh, I mean, he was absolutely um, stellar in this. He was on T.Y. Hilton for, I believe, three of, of T.Y. Hilton's targets. And T.Y. Hilton had one catch on four targets for 19 yards. Absolutely outstanding. When you can cover a guy that really is, I mean, when Andrew Luck is in, that's a top five wide receiver, top ten for sure, wide receiver in the league. And Adoree Jackson was right on him. Me and Chris said last week, put Adoree Jackson on him. They did. Look what happened. We ended up with a, a stellar performance out of Adore Jackson. Jayon Brown was no different. Last year, the big storyline was how bad Doyle just wrecked us, just ripped us apart. This week, you know, he, he still got his. He still got some, you know, an okay stat line. Everybody that owned him in fantasy wasn't hurting, but he wasn't as effective and he got a lot of short passes a lot of short passes in this game and that was the only way he was effective because anytime they sent him downfield John Brown had a, quite a few good plays against him Woodyard had a couple good plays against him obviously he had the fumble you know against Avery Williamson that was a really good play our linebacking core did a, a much better job against Doyle than we did last year, for sure. That was a big part of this game, obviously. The ability to stop Doyle, a guy that wrecked us last year, 
and to slow him down into these short passing plays. You saw at the end of the game, Brissett's last two passes, both were to Doyle. One, he got out of bounds. One, Jayon Brown makes the tackle, so they can't get out of bounds, which forces the clock to run out and end the football game. Very good. Let's talk about this pass rush for a little bit. You know, I'm going to bring it up later in the mailbag, but the pass rush did start to get through late. The problem is that offensive line in Indianapolis controlled our defensive line completely. There's no question about it. They controlled our defensive line. When we came through late, it was when we sent linebackers. Every pressure, almost every single pressure in this game that we had was when we sent linebackers. Now, that becomes an issue. When you're getting absolutely no pressure and you're just opening up gaps for linebackers and no pressure with your defensive line, it becomes an issue. So far this year, a guy that I love, Jarrell Casey, has been average. You know, he's been very average, something that we don't expect everybody else on this defensive line we expect it from. You know, Coral Klug's a guy, you know, obviously we love on this show, a hard worker. He's an average talent. He's just an incredibly hard worker. That's why we love him. You know, but, you know, what's he, what's he playing? Like 15% of snaps right now? You need these other guys. You know, Sylvester Williams, a guy that I didn't think we should bring in. Um, Austin Johnson, you know, Daquan Jones. We need these guys to step up and make plays. They're just not doing it right now. We're getting no pressure unless we send people. We started to get a little bit riskier to send people in blitzes, which worked out very well for us at the end of the game in this one. But our pass rush is still not there. You know, I'll talk about this later, so I'm not going to go too in-depth with this, but our pass rush is definitely not where we need it to be. It's a problem when we can never get pressure on a three- or four-man rush. Another thing that I noticed in this game, kick coverage needs to improve. This is something we've had problems with for a while, something I felt like we were getting better at, uh, but this game definitely had a problem with tackling, and our kick coverage, as I mentioned earlier, was a problem for us. We need to be able to wrap up and tackle. We allowed some of these uh, kick returns and punt returns to go a lot longer than they should have. But let's move on. Big shout-out. A big shout-out to Derrick Henry, who had a fucking monster game in this. 131 yards on 19 carries and a touchdown. That's a 6.9 average. I'll say that one more time. 6.9 average, almost 7 yards a carry. He was phenomenal in this game, especially late, that long run to really seal a victory. Absolutely amazing. One thing I will say, and I, and I mentioned I'd say this uh, online, a lot of people have been coming down on John Gruden for the way he called this football game, saying he was you know, biased towards the Indianapolis Colts saying that he you know he was being unfair to the Titans. I don't think that anything he said was something we didn't need to hear. A lot of the stuff he said was, you know, this Titans offensive line is very good. Why are they not performing at the level they should early in this game? This play calling he brought up as a question mark. I don't think anybody that's a Titans fan is going to stand against him on that. Another thing that he brought up, 
was Taewon Taylor being a gadget player. Now, I will say I don't think Taewon Taylor's just a gadget player. But what has Gruden seen? What has Taewon Taylor put on tape that would make you think that he's not a gadget player? So far, all we've used him for is ends around, reverses. I mean, that's all we've used him for so far. Then he gets the big play. Scores a touchdown for us, was a you know at a very important time. Scores a big touchdown, but that was one play. It was one play from Taewon Taylor. We got over top of the defense, and he's fast enough to do that. We know that you know it's something that I've been calling for is trying to getting him over the top, and he got the touchdown. But in that game, Taewon Taylor was 0 for two on 50-50 balls. He had two passes that could have been completions if Taewon Taylor had good hands. That's why we're not seeing a lot of Taewon Taylor right now. Is Taewon Taylor can't catch those 50-50 balls. He's not going to. That's not the kind of guy he is right now. It's been a problem before. You know, we've talked about it on the show. I talked about before he was drafted, after he was drafted, I've talked about it. He's a guy that catches with his body, does not catch good with his hands. That's going to limit what you can do with those 50-50 balls. The ball that he did catch, he was wide open. You know, it was, it was a good pass by Mariotti. He was wide open, and he just strolled into the end zone. That's why we're not seeing him a lot on the field right now. Now, I was calling for a lot more of Taewon Taylor last week. I did say that. I thought that he should should be used more in rub routes, crossing routes, flat route stuff that's going to get him an open field uh, you know against linebackers against safeties guys that he's more athletic than that he can you know get down the field quickly and pick up first downs for us i did not think that he should be in routes like corner routes you know like post routes routes that are going to see him covered often where he's going to have to catch 50-50 balls that's not what I want to see. Those, you know, he ran a curl route and was like guarded. Like that's not a good pass. That's not a good pass to be making to Taewon Taylor. He's a guy that needs to get open in space. The one time they did run him on the rub route in this game, they ran him as the guy making the rub. He they ran him as the blocker for Eric Decker, and Eric Decker should have had that ball. He definitely should have. But you don't run a little guy like Taewon Taylor to be the guy that's making the rub, that's trying to get that you know, pick play, as they call it, to try to get the guy open. That's not the guy you run like that. You run it the opposite way. So you have a big guy making that play, a big guy getting in the way. I didn't like that at all. But, you know, he did catch that one big pass. Definitely helped us win this football game. It was it was a nice pass. It was a very awesome route by him. Took advantage of a, a pretty porous Colts defense, Colts secondary more specifically. I like that a lot. I like that he was he was able to make that play. One thing I also noticed in this game, and that is Ryan Suckup. It has to be mentioned, folks. Fifty one consecutive field goals from inside fifty yards, a new record. He hasn't missed a field goal inside of 50 yards since 2014, which was his first year with the Tennessee Titans. An un.
unbelievable mark to be set. I mean, there's no way we win this game without his performance. He played absolutely amazing. He was the one part of our offense that was working in the first half. That's for sure. Ultra reliable. He's a guy that you forget about. He's almost like, you know how you forget when you have some really good called games with refs? You forget how bad a ref can fuck up a game until it happens again. And then you think, man, we've had some good games with good refs lately. He's that kind of guy. He's so good that you forget how good he is. Because when he leaves and we have, you know, a year or two with a shitty kicker, we're going to be like, man, I really wish we had Suckup. Remember how good it was with Suckup? You remember how automatic that guy was? And we don't talk about kickers very often on this show, nor does any, you know, football podcast or football radio show. But absolutely amazing what he's been able to do. But let's move on now. We beat the Colts. We did it. We're tied for first in the division. Let's move on. AFC South recap. Let's start off with the Rams at Jacksonville. Rams get the win 27-17. Jacks get the loss, which is gives us and Houston the ability to tie for first place this week. Now, I want to really focus on this for those who didn't watch this game the Jags outgained the Rams by a decent margin had a longer time of possession their quarterback and running back play was better but they still lose to the Rams because of special teams the Jags gave up a kick return for a touchdown and had a blocked punt for a touchdown in this football game it was huge. You know, special team shortcomings ended up being the difference in this game for the Jags. They were the better football team on offense and on defense, you could argue. They just didn't get it done on the third side of the football. It shows you how important that can be. But I know I don't have to remind you folks, you know how important it can be because of how bad the Titans have been in special teams for quite some time now. So far, the Jag season this year has been a roller coaster. Win, loss, win, loss, win, loss. That's literally been their season so far. Next week, they head to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. It should likely be a win. Judging by the pattern they've, they've put on so far, should be a win for them. Uh, Leonard Fournette's been the big talk because he left this game injured with a foot injury. The Jags front office so far expects him to play in the next game against the Colts. Should be a win for the Jags. You never know. This season has been crazy so far. That's for sure. So we'll see what happens with Jacksonville and the Colts next week. Should be a win for the Jags, which puts us you know, a little bit more pressure on us to win next week. And we'll get to that game here shortly. Browns at Houston. The Texans win 33-17 to in this one. Kevin Hogan, who was a starting quarterback for the Browns this week, throws three interceptions to help the Texans to an easy victory. Watson looked very good in this game. Through his first pick six, and I bring this up specifically because of who it was to, the guy picking the ball and running the 56 yards for a touchdown was none other than Jason McCourty. You know, obviously a guy that a lot of Titans fans would like to have back at this point, a guy that has been a Titan for all of his career up until this year. He had a really great game here, ends up getting the interception. Really, though, those three interceptions were the difference maker. 
Cleveland wasn't hurting to move the ball against Houston. Now, they weren't doing a great job. They weren't hurting, though. Cleveland was able to shut down Houston at certain points, able to slow them down. The problem was those, you know, the interceptions. Cleveland is, and I will say this, they're better than their record shows, I think for sure. And, you know, I mean, I know you're saying, like, right now, Ryan, they're 0-6, like, no shit. But this team is, I think, a legit quarterback away. If they can get what I expect they can get out of Kaiser, or, you know, they bring someone in that they can get that level of play from, you, if you don't have three interceptions in this game, it might be a tight ball game. You know, it might be a tight ball game against a Houston team that has been very good as of late. Now, I brought up earlier how Jacksonville has been a roller coaster. Houston has done the exact opposite. Loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. Literally every week that Houston has lost, Jacksonville has won and vice versa. They're setting a three and three. Jacksonville setting a three and three. Obviously, we are setting a three and three. And the Colts right now, the lone man out, setting at two and four. Uh, Houston next week heads to Seattle to play the Seahawks. Judging by the way, their pattern of wins and losses, they should lose this one. I suspect though, and I hate to say it, but I don't think Seattle has enough to stop Houston. That offensive line in Seattle is bad, and they have some guys still. You know, it's unbelievable because they've lost Whitney Merciless, Brian Cushing, and J.J. Watt. They're still Jadavion Clowney. There's still some guys on that defensive line that can get the pass rush going. I think that Houston's still able to win this game. Hopefully, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed that they do not. But I think it is possible for them to win. We'll have to watch that one next week, obviously, we'll talk about it. So let's jump in here to the mailbag. We have some really good questions this week. First one from, you know, a guy that's near and dear to my heart. A two-tone uncensored fan Hall of Famer, Josh Ebel. Josh asks, is our pass rush still an issue? And if so, how do we fix it? Here's my opinion, folks. It is still a very big issue. A very big issue. As I said earlier, and I said I was going to get to this later in the show, we only got pressure when we sent in linebackers on free runs. When we sent in uh, cornerbacks that got free runs. We did not do a good job when either we didn't send anybody else or when the offensive line picked up the blitz. We did not do a good job. We got craftier... And that's why we got a lot more open lanes late in the game. We got craftier. We disguised our blitz better. That's why we got those open runs. But it, it's not working. We're not getting a good push with our defensive line. You know, I think defensive end is going to be, or it should be, I'll say this, it should be. An edge rusher should be our first pick in next year's draft. I know we have a pair of good outside linebackers that can put pressure on a quarterback. You know, but when we have Gerald Casey, who's been playing a lot on the in- interior of the defensive line so far this season, it's hard for guys like Arakpo and Morgan to be successful. How we fix it right now, you don't. There's nobody in free agency that's going to help us fix it. We're not going to trade for anybody at this point in the season that's going to be able to fix it. it- it's going to happen next year. It's going to happen in free agency in the draft. Something that you know we're obviously going to be looking for. 
I, I think it's obvious that this needs to be our next position we draft at is you know a solid defensive end, a three four defensive end that can make a difference in the pass rush. You know, that's the only time it's gonna change. It sucks to say that, but it's something that, you know, I've been saying when Glenn was on the show, something that Glenn has been saying for quite some time. Let's move on to the next question, though. Tyler Musson, another Hall of Famer, asking a question this week. Do you think we see Malarkey let Marcus run free next week against Cleveland? I don't. I don't think we see it next week. For a couple of reasons. One, I don't think Mariota is going to be 100% next week. I think that Mariota is hurt more than I think a lot of Titans fans know. I think that Marcus probably shouldn't have played this week. And, you know, we judging by how Indianapolis went after him and quite a few late hit and roughing the passer penalties, we're going to see that again next week. Don't think that the Cleveland Browns are any better morally than the Colts are. Any team would do this. The Tennessee Titans would do this if we were playing a quarterback with injury issues. Absolutely we would, and I wouldn't have a problem with us doing it. That's the reality of the situation. Two, I don't think it's going to take us a lot of effort to beat Cleveland. I think this Cleveland team's on the rise. I've said it before. I think they're better, obviously, than their record implies. But they're still a bad football team. They're not a good football team right now. We're going to be able to beat them without Marcus running. We have a couple easy matchups coming up that I think we're going to be able to do without Marcus running very much to get him 100%. After this week, we're going to host the Baltimore Ravens, which I think the Ravens, you know, the Ravens obviously an up and down season. A lot of guys on IR, a very winnable game for us, should be a W. Then we host. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that has struggled quite a bit this season. Obviously an easy win. Then we play the Thursday night game you know, at Pittsburgh. That's going to be our first tough game at coming out of this easy game stretch. That's going to be the first one that's really going to challenge us. Now, I think that we should be able to not run Marcus very much in the next three games. Because we probably don't need to in order to win these football games. And we can keep Marcus healthy. Although I was not happy with how much we let Marcus get hit in this last game. Didn't have a ton of sacks, obviously. Had a a lot more quarterback hits than I was happy with. You know, I talked about it. We had a lot of roughing the passer calls. Which, I mean, how are you going to stop that? You know, you know, I know that's what you're thinking. That's what I'm thinking, too. How are you going to stop that? If a guy really wants to hit him, he's going to hit him. Uh, you know, but we should be able to keep guys off of Marcus a little bit better. I think you will see Marcus move a little bit more in the pocket like he normally does. I think you might see a little bit more bootleg kind of stuff um, that we're normally used to with Marcus. Uh, but I don't think you're going to see him let him run free. I still expect there to be zero designed running plays for Marcus against Cleveland. On to the next one here. This is at WillPorter101 on Twitter. He says, do you think we need a new offensive coordinator? This is a question that has been very, very present in the Nashville area right now and among Titans fans. And I know... I know it's one you all want to hear. It's something that I've gotten quite a bit lately. I was trying to push it off a little bit, but I will give my answer here. As of right now, no. 
Here's my reasoning, though. Before you, you before you get all anti-Ryan on me, anti-two-tone uncensored, here's my reasoning. What is an offensive coordinator going to come in and do right now? You're not going to put in a new scheme right now. You might change up a couple of plays here and there. might add a play here, subtract a play there. This offense is still going to be the same offense. It's still going to be the exact same offense. What are you going to change? What is going to be different? Nothing. At the end of the season... Yeah, I think it's time for someone new in there. I think it's time that we split ways with Terry Robisky. We bring someone new in. I mean, it's only a matter of time before this happens. Robisky hasn't been impressive so far. His play calling has been iffy. He has a couple of those cute plays that work. We saw earlier in this football game, you know, they did the shovel pass um, to Delaney Walker. Worked out. Shot it later. Did not. There's a couple of those cute plays that have worked, but far more have not. And you saw us last night. It's 15 to 19. Colts are up. We get into the red zone after Avery Williamson unknowingly strips Jack Doyle. We get cute when we get close. Ends in a field goal. Not the very next drive. The very next. We have the football, slow 15-play drive. We get in the red zone. We pound the fucking rock. We get in, touchdown Titans. We have two big backs that have excelled. We have a big, powerful, Big Ten, mind you, offensive line, a lot of Midwestern road graders, a lot of guys that can pound that can fight. Why in the fuck are we getting cute in the red zone? You have DeMarco Murray, a very big, you know, he's a big guy. People forget that he's a big guy, very big, agile, smart, great vision running back. Then behind him, you have a fucking freight train. <laughs> you have a young man who is built like a brick shit house who's going to topple over people and get in the end zone. Why are we getting cute in the red zone? Why are we not just pounding the rock? You saw it work in the very next drive. The offensive line was not happy with it. You saw it. You watched Monday night. You heard Gruden talking about it. You saw Luan's reaction. They were not happy about the cute play calling. We came out. We pound the fucking rock when we get in the end zone. And we score a touchdown. I'm tired of the cute play calling. Let's just get back to the basics. Let's pound the rock. That's all we need to do. Let's pound the rock. This leads us perfectly into our next question. At evico98 on Twitter. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong, buddy. Do you think it's time we abandon the exotic and focus more on the smash mouth aspect of this offense? I do. I do think it's time to get away a little bit from this smash mouth or sorry from this exotic play calling get more into the smash mouth we have success when we pound the rock we have two big physical backs we're going to wear down the defensive line i want to see us get more exotic in the passing game i want to see us get more physical in the running game smash the ball and get more exotic when it comes to passing the football obviously you can't do a whole lot of that when marcus is gimped up I understand that. You can't do a lot of play action with rollouts. You can't do bootleg stuff like that. Um, But when he's healthy, I want to see that in in the passing game. I want to see a lot more of Taewon Taylor, as I've said for weeks now. Crossing routes, rub routes. I want to see him get into open field, get him the football. 
not throw him 50-50 balls. He's not going to win those. That's obvious. He's not going to win those. He doesn't have great hands. But once you get the football to him, he's great in open space. So let's get him the football where he is in open space, where he can do something with a football, where he can make a fucking play. We're going to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I will go over the Tennessee Titans taking on the Cleveland Browns and Cleveland and my final prediction, and then we'll get out of here. Don't change a thing. We will be right back. Hey, y'all, you fans of Two-Tone Uncensored. As I'm sure most of you know, Matt and Glenn no longer with the show. We're trying to switch things up, change it up a little bit, and I want your input to see what you guys like, what you don't like. So feel free to email us at twotoneuncensored at gmail.com. Hit me up on Facebook or Twitter, however you get a hold of me, do it. I'd love to hear your guys' input, what you like, what you don't like, what ideas you have. Thanks a lot for the continued support of this show, and tighten up. All right, I'm here, very glad to be joined here with Nick Martinez, big fan of the show, and a guy that really knows his stuff, glad to have him on. How you doing, Nick? Good, good. Awesome, How about yourself, man? Doing great, doing great. Excited to talk about this. Last thing we have to go over here, Titans going to Cleveland this week to take on the Browns. Uh, this is a game I almost went to until I got surprised with some tickets, so I'm going to be going to the Thursday night game against the Steelers. Almost went to this game because it's not that far from me, about a three-hour drive. But I'll ask you this before we jump into it. It kind of feels like this could be, if we don't, if we don't wake up, we don't get to where we need to be, it could be a trap game. Do you feel that way? Yeah, um, could be a trap game. It's a trap game. And I feel like if, if we have a slow start like we did against Indy, it could it could very well turn into a trap game. I mean, you, you bring it up. I talked about it on the show earlier. Like, it's against Indy. It's, even the games that we win, it's against the Seahawks. It's against Jacksonville. We've, we've started so slow. And we're going to talk about this because this, you know, the point that I brought up earlier, Nick, was we get out to these slow starts in these games because we rely so heavily on the running game. And sometimes it's not going to work out in the beginning of the game. You know, you have to pound that rock and then, you know, get into a rhythm. Things will start working. And then we put points on the board. We're going up against a rush defense that's pretty good. You know, they've... They've played four teams in the top 11 in rushing so far this year, yet they have managed only to allow a league-leading three yards per carry. They're tied with Denver there. Now, they are 12th in rushing touchdowns, but only two of those come from running backs, and both of them are for 40 yards. The other two come from Brissett, and trust me, I'll be mentioning that later. But this rush defense is pretty good. It is a you know, pretty, solid, pretty solid defense against the run. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking at some stats here. Defensive rushing yards a game is about it's about 84.3, and that's sixth in the league. We're averaging about 132 ourselves. So, yeah, we pound the rock too early, and when it's not working, we keep going. And we need to, you know, Chris, I like what he brought up last week, use the pass to set up the run. I like that a lot. Absolutely. It's something that I'm going to highly recommend in this because 
We, we have to run the ball. We have to. We're a running football team. We have two really good running backs. We have an offensive line that's built to run downhill. We have to run the football. But there's nothing wrong with using the pass to set up the run. If you look at this, this is a really good rush defense. Now, we are going to be you know, the best running team that they've played so far. Uh, we're yes. averaging right now 4.8 yards per carry, which is third best in the league. We're first in the league in rushing touchdowns. Um, we're a team that's going to, it's going to be very difficult for them to, to play against us and have the success they have been having, but it's going to be hard for us to maintain the success that we've been having against them as well. That I think we need to, especially in this game, pass to set up the run because this is a really bad passing defense. 21st in passing yards allowed, 27th in yards per attempt allowed, and they're tied for last place in uh, passing touchdowns allowed. This is a team that has given up a lot uh, of yards, a lot of touchdowns. They've been very, very poor against passing uh, so far this season, so why not come out, throw the football, spread them out, get men outside of the box, get to the point where you're facing five- and six-man fronts, and then pound the rock. I think it's a great idea this week. Yeah, um, some comments I've seen are, are earlier. We're talking about, um, obviously, the, the big return of us playing against McCordy, him coming back to play us. And I've seen something about make Jason McCordy cover Taewon Taylor deep. And a lot of people are saying he can't do it. I don't think he can. I mean, McCourty doesn't have the speed to keep up with Taylor, but I, I wonder, I feel they're really going to put McCourty on Decker and just be like, wherever he goes, you go. Because McCourty's obviously, you know, their most talented um, cornerback on that team. So I think they're going to try to do that to limit Decker's effectiveness, which is a smart move to do, even though there's still plenty of weapons that you have left to cover. But I mean, you, you just don't have, they don't have the personnel to be able to cover, you know, Delaney Walker and Rashard Matthews are running backs coming out of the backfield. Taylor, you can't cover all of that in the passing game and Decker when you don't have the talent to do it. And they just, you know, don't have that kind of talent to do it. I expect to see McCourty on Decker very often in this game. Monday against Indy, Decker, I thought, really emerged as something we haven't really seen. Um, We'd seen it, but only in flashes. He finished the game with seven catches for for 88 yards, which led the team. So I feel like he has to have another big game like that against Cleveland, and I think he can. I think you definitely have to keep at least the threat there, because if we start just ignoring Decker, they're going to you know, try to switch things up, try to get to a point where they're covering everybody else, which might work out for us too because then you can go back to Decker. But you have to at least keep the threat there. I think he's going to still see a decent amount of targets. Jason McCourty did. You know, he had the pick six last week. He played very well last week uh, and has played well all season long, but he's not a guy that you're afraid to throw that direction. He does. He's not that intimidating. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're going to take your chances against him still. I expect... Rashard Matthews to have a big game because I don't think there's if you put McCordy on Decker I don't think they have anybody on that team that's going to be able to stick with Rashard Matthews as creative as he is as fast as he is as good as his hands are there's no one that's going to be able to keep up with him we had that screenplay against Seattle we came back to it against Indy and it worked again yeah you're absolutely right I mean it did 
It did. <laughs> One other thing I want to touch on real quick before we move out of this, and I talked about Brissett. I said I'd bring this up later. I really want to see, you know, obviously we all want to see Marcus 100% healthy. We want to see him running. I want to see where he's at this coming week because they had a lot of trouble um, containing Brissett. You know, obviously, like I said earlier, he had two rushing touchdowns in that game. They had a very difficult time slowing him down. He converted a lot of third downs in that game. So if Marcus is healthy and he's ready to go, this is a defense that does not adjust well when the quarterback takes off running. They don't have the athletic ability. They don't have a lot of, of very fast people on, you know, in the linebacking core. They're averagely fast. In the secondary, I'd say they're a tick slower than most secondaries. If he's healthy, Marcus should have one of his best rushing games that he'll have all year against this defense. Now, if he's not ready to go, if the hamstring is still bothering him, he's not ready to do this, we can still obviously and should easily beat this football team, but it definitely takes away something that would really help us out in this matchup. Um, yeah. One of the mailbag questions was, would we see the handcuffs off of Mariota with the running? And like I said, you know, it's it's Wednesday, so we'll so we'll see how, you know, how practice goes. I'm sure Malarkey will mention his health in the press conference later today. Do I feel like he'll be able to do it? Maybe. Uh didn't look like to me that he was really comfortable with with running the ball yet. No, definitely this week he didn't. You know, we saw that I, I brought it up earlier in the show, the slide down before he got to the first down, and, you know, the throwaway when he ran outside of the pocket. He definitely did not look himself in this one. I'm interested to see it. I think we should definitely still beat Cleveland, even if he can't run the football. But I'm hoping to see a little bit more mobility out of Marcus. That way we can take advantage of that. Because this is a team that does not adjust to that well at all. Not that any team's prepared for a guy like Marcus Mariota, and that's what makes him such a good quarterback. But but I don't think that there's anybody, this team specifically, is going to struggle big time if Marcus can run the football. So, Nick, let's move on here to the offensive X-Factor. On on offense, who's your X-Factor this week? Y'all brought it up last week, and I'm going to bring it up this week. Uh, it's got to be, got to keep giving the ball to Taewon Taylor. He proved, he proved this week that he can do it. Let's keep, let's keep doing it. I think that's a good one, man. He, he's a matchup nightmare. He's a guy that, he's a guy that can really create space. He's terrifying in Ooh. open field. Uh, I went with two of them here. I went with Rashad Matthews. I expect him to have a big game. I don't think they have um, anybody that can cover him, so I'm expecting a lot from him. Uh, Marcus Mario's hamstring is, is the other X factor. Will he be able to run the football? Uh, yeah, exactly. Will he be able to move around? Will he be able to run the football? But let's move on to the defense here. Our defense versus our offense. It was announced earlier today. Kaiser will start this game. So far in Kaiser's young career, three t- passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, and nine interceptions thrown. That's a big thing uh, that I'm going to be looking for in this game. Kaiser, I think he has the ability. I've said it on the show before. I think he has the ability to be a very good quarterback in this league. He has a very talented arm, but he, there's a lot he needs to work out with footwork, You know, keeping his eyes downfield, a lot of the stuff that most rookie quarterbacks have have struggles with 
One of the worst passing attacks in the league, though, for Cleveland. They're third worst in yards per attempt, the worst in completion percentage, and dead last in interceptions and touchdown-to-interception ratio. In fact, they have thrown twice as many picks as they have touchdowns so far this year, and they have six more interceptions through six weeks, mind you. Six more interceptions than the second-place team in most thrown interceptions. I mean, they have really struggled turning the ball over in the passing game. I say you let him air it out. Force Kaiser to beat us. Stop the running game. They have a middle-of-the-road rush attack right now. They're averaging 4.2 yards per carry as a team. You know, it hasn't been bad. A couple handful touchdowns. Uh, stack the box. Confuse Kaiser. You know what Dick LeBeau always likes to do. You don't know who's blitzing. You don't know who's who's staying back. And that's really tough on young quarterbacks. We saw... Um, you saw this defense have a lot of success against Jacoby Brissett, putting a lot of guys on the line, and then you know having drop back this side, rush this side, and confuse them. Do not let them know where the rush is coming from. I expect to see that a lot in here, and force Kaiser to throw the football. The first step to this is stacking the box, stopping the running attack, rush attack, which I think we shouldn't have a problem doing as long as we're you know tackling. <laughs> it's been a big problem for this us this yeah. year tackling and then the other thing get out to an early lead and that's on the offensive side of the ball but I don't think it should be a problem get out to an early lead and force Kaiser to make plays because when he starts doing that I think you're going to see some pleasing sights coming from Dory Jackson, LaShawn Sims, Logan Ryan, Kevin Byard. Um, obviously, Cyprian's going to be out this game but those guys I think are going to have a good game here against Cleveland what do you think? Like you said, um, you have to stop the running game. Isaiah Crowell, um, he's uh, quick and uh, he's shifty and he can catch the ball uh, out of the backfield. You know, you have to stop him running, but you also have to watch him in the pass game. Uh, he's a poor man's DeMarco Murray is what I'd like to call him. <laughs> That's not a bad analogy. You know, it, they're both of their backs. Duke Johnson right now is their leading receiver. I mean, it goes to show you, they like to use their backs a lot in the passing game, especially because they have, you know, a lot of quarterbacks right now back there that aren't that good. So it gives you security blanket. Those are easy passes, easy reads to make when you're throwing the ball four yards down the field um, to a wide open running back. Those That's an easy play to make, so it gives them a lot of confidence. That's why you're seeing a guy like Duke Johnson being their leading receiver so far uh, early in the season is because... You know, they don't have a lot of quarterbacks that can do a whole lot of else. And they don't have a lot of really talented wide receivers. Uh, Kenny Britt's going to be out for this game, which hurts them even more because they don't have a lot of guys that can make plays um, for them at wide receiver. You said the Britt was out. In the other report I checked, it wasn't from that he was out. Did you read something else? Yeah, I saw it on ESPN today that he will be out for this one. Okay, well, I, I checked earlier, and I didn't see it, so I might have over, overlooked it. I was just asking. When they announced it today that Kaiser was going to be starting, I was like, damn, I wanted a chance at Kevin Hogan because he threw three picks last week. I was like, man, we have been fixing to have a turnover, turnover machine. But then I never realized that Kaiser had that many as well. I, I'm just double-checked. Speaking of Kenny Britt, I saw that he was out earlier, but now it's saying he was a limited participant in practice today. So he might end up playing. We'll have to see. Uh, even with Britt, though, I don't think we should have many issues in this football game. We shouldn't have them uh, running up with the score on us. I know they've had some success against 
other teams, they like to spread the ball out. They like to try to get, you know, they run a lot of gadget kind of stuff, try to trick people. And that's what you have to do when you just don't have the talent to line up and play against another team. I expect our playbook to be more simplistic in the start of this game. I don't think we need to come in and line up and trick them right off the bat. I think we can line up and push them out of our way. They don't really have the talent to line up with us. So we'll see what happens, though, because Robisky just loves to like pull shit out of his ass and throw in some wacky-ass plays when we have the ability to just run down the field. It, it's aggravating. It's something we have to live with, those Titans fans. Yes. Obviously, we're on the defensive side, but I want to go back to the offensive side for just a second. We talked about, you know, Taylor and Matt Matthews. Walker, you know, he started the game last week, and, you know, and we went to him, I believe it was the first three plays, if I'm not mistaken, and then we just, like, went away from him. And you didn't see him the rest of the game. And I, I feel like you have a lot better chance to get Walker the ball against Cleveland than you do against Indy because the, their linebackers – I don't think any team has the player well that can cover Walker all day long. Definitely not Cleveland. It's something I've said on the show before, man. I don't think there's a player out there that can affect it. You can, there's guys that will slow down Delaney Walker. Like There are guys that are, have that capability. There's a lot of talented linebackers in this league. But there's no one in, in the league that has the ability to shut down Delaney Walker. I firmly believe that. It did surprise me, too, that we didn't see as much of him in this game. You know, the, on Monday night, it, it surprised me we didn't see as much from him because he is a guy that is a matchup nightmare, especially with Marcus not being able to move around. I don't know. It, it, it surprised me we didn't see more of him because he gets separation. Plus, you can throw those, you know, those curl routes and stuff like that, and he knows how to box out and and get those passes where only he can catch them. So that that surprised me. Maybe we'll see more in this game. There's this one is going to be whoever's hot coming out of the gate is going to get the ball because we can throw it anywhere. We can we're going to be able to throw the ball anywhere in this game. So whoever you know shows themselves early, I think is going to have a big game because we have good matchups. You know, McCourty's been playing well, so I won't call that a good matchup. Even though I think Decker does have the plus in that matchup, but Matthews is going to have a plus matchup. Delaney Walker is going to have a plus matchup. Taewon Taylor is going to have a plus matchup. A running backs coming out of the backfield. Henry and Murray going to have plus matchups. There's no – everywhere else it's like a clear, like definite we're winning these matchups. So I think we might see, you know, some guys have smaller games just because we're not going to need them as much in this game. Not necessarily that they were losing their matchup. I think that kind of happened against the Colts too is – like especially towards the end of the game, we had guys that were winning matchups, and we really didn't need Delaney Walker, uh, you know, to to set the world on fire because we had guys like Matthews had a nice game, Decker had a very good game, Taewon Taylor with a big play. We had guys that were doing enough that really wasn't, you know, that he was losing matchups. Just we really didn't need him as much. And uh, this week, if you watch McCordy's pick six, it's because of. Miles Garrett, he got a Watson's face, and he threw it off his back foot. And McCourty picked it off. Obviously, that's going to be Lawan's side of the field. So you got to keep Garrett off of off of Marcus Mariota. Oh, obviously. This is a guy that has a lot of talent. We haven't gotten to see a whole lot of him yet. You know, he was injured early in the year. But he has a lot of talent. We know that. He's a very talented football player. Someone that I definitely think that 
it's going to be an interesting matchup. See how Lawan, uh, who's going to probably see him the most, and Conklin handle this guy coming off the edge because he's a very talented pass rusher. But let's move on to our predictions here. Nick, how do you see this game going? Uh, obviously, obviously, as like a, a, a true fan, I want to shut him out. Do I honestly believe that's going to happen? Uh, maybe not. But I'm going to say Titans 28, Cleveland 10. Ours aren't that different. I gave, I, I gave us an extra touchdown, and I gave Cleveland an extra touchdown. I went 35-17. Uh, I think we're going to get out to an earlier, or should, I'll say this, we should get out to an earlier lead than we have in our wins this season and should be able to take advantage of that. If not, like, that's the one thing, the whole fire malarkey and, you know, fire, Robisia, I'm not fully in those bandwagons yet for sure. Crackheads! <laughs> exactly. But the one thing that is frustrating is we never, never play in the first half. It just seems like we never come out ready to dominate a first half, ready to play, and, it, you know, I talked about it earlier in the show. It's because our coaches can't set up a great game plan. We can adjust into a great game plan, but we have not been setting up great game plans to start the game, at least offensively. Now, our defense has, you know, has played a couple games where they've played stellar from start to finish. You know, Seattle comes to mind, Jacksonville as well. We played good from start to finish. Our offense, though... You know, it's just like, it just seems like DeMarco Murray and uh, Taylor Lewan and Marcus Mariota just wait in the locker room and someone dresses in their uniform for them and then they come out in the second <laughs> half. Uh, I mean, it's been an issue for us the whole year, but this one, I think we come out to an early lead. We stun them. Then, I think, you know, in Titans fashion, especially this year, once we get out to that big lead, We'll let them score a little bit in garbage time, and that's where the 17 points is going to come from. We saw the exact same thing happen last week with the Browns when they played the Texans. You know, they they were down by a lot for most of the game, and then had some garbage time touchdowns to in order to make it look closer than it actually was. But this one should be a very easy win for us to get us back on track. A winning streak going, Nick. That's what we need coming out of the losing streak. Yes. A winning streak. And you know, exactly. So that's about all we have for the show. Uh, you obviously can find the show on Twitter at TTU Podcast. Find our website, ttupodcast.com. We'll be on next week uh, with Greg Arias, a great guy to have on the show, Titans Insider, so very fun. Nick, thanks a lot for coming on with me to talk about this Cleveland matchup. It was a lot of fun having you, man. Absolutely, man. Anytime. All right, Titans, let's go get an easy win this week and tighten up. Tighten up. Let's go.